Are there parts of motherhood that did not come naturally? Do you feel overwhelmed? Are there secrets you wish you knew in advance about the motherhood journey? Could you use a place to cope with motherhood, laugh your woes away, and lighten the mommy guilt? Welcome to Toward, finding a mom-life balance. Welcome back to Torn, finding your mom life balance. On today's episode, we're going to discuss how does your family discuss hard topics. And here at Torn, we like to give you guys some practical tips, advice, and a window into our lifestyles on how we actually talk to our kids, manage being parents, and even our own self-talk. So, Memes, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, Just ending a week of break that really, more than any other break recently, has felt like it flew by. We kept it low-key, some adult away parent time, some family time, but definitely a much-needed break. So, hoping... We go into this busy season at work with a clear head and I'm looking forward to our combo. How are you doing? Yeah, I I have a heavy heart. I'm not going to lie. Um, with all the news that's going on in Ukraine and being so far from folks over there and not knowing exactly what news to believe and stuff, it's kind of hard. Uh, Torn Tribe, my oldest son, we actually adopted from Ukraine, so Ukraine has a very special place in our heart. Um, And so with that, like just talking through it, trying to decipher how to help, what to do and stuff like that. It's been a heavy couple weeks. Definitely. Um, So when Athena brought up the idea of discussing these hard topics, we, you know, in uh, torn mom life balance form we thought of our buckets and so we're definitely going to focus on how we discuss war loss and injustices yeah so war meme you know in our style we kind of you know have gone through readings or like world war one books and world war two books and even certain battles that happened um, in the Bible when they were trying to take over the promised land and when that, the Battle of Jericho and all those things. And now even more recently with the war that's happening in Ukraine, um, we try to talk about it from like three different dynamics. One, the spiritual realm of it. Why does war break out? What does God do with war? Um, the factual side of it, like the physical, what's happening right here in front of us, um, what the news says is driving it. Um, and then the emotional side of it, um, how does it make them feel? Do they feel scared? Do they feel sad? Um, do they feel like helping or figuring out a way to help, um, it's kind of the way that we tackle the discussion around war because it's just not an easy one. Definitely. I have to say most of my conversations 
um, started for me with teenagers through literature. So conversations about the individual impact, right? What's actually happening. So if you're talking about Anne Frank, if you're talking about under the persimmon tree, if you're so displacement and lack of security, like, and I think teenagers are very apt to put themselves in the shoes of others in a difficult time. And so conversations of, you know, if you're writing that letter, if you're sharing that diary entry of your experience and things like that. And so when it came to family conversations and with the kids, power was something that I often discuss that kind of loops through two of our categories today and has to do with like why wars happen and why injustices happen. Um, and so having those conversations that lots of things that seem uh, inevitably to come to something physical, that there's all these other things behind power and how people strategize or set things up or intention. Um, and when kind of, you know, we're constantly, it, it's really hard to talk about a topic that you're often telling your children to handle things with their words and not get physical and keep their hands to themselves and make sure others keep their hands to themselves. And then there's ultimately things in life that we say we need force or some sort of um, extreme measure to kind of maintain things. And so then weighing what are the good causes and what are the worthy reasons. Um, it's difficult because I think our children find us a source of like, what's the hard line between things? And these are the kind of issues that there really isn't a like, we say this never happens, but at this extreme point in the protection of others or in a fight for justice, quote unquote, right? Like wherever side is saying this, um, we try to explain to them circumstances that will cause someone to say, well, it's gotten to this point and this is why we're resorting to this action or this is what happened in result to someone else firing first or, or setting a course mm -hmm. of action. Um, but, but they're definitely the harder ones because there's the circumstances change, the, the motivations change. And then our, our kids and our students and our circles have different feelings about what would justify it if we're constantly promoting peace and love and kindness yeah and sometimes you know torn tribe it's okay to be speechless <sighs> with your children and i've i have found myself like that many a times in the past couple of weeks especially with my older son who's in his 20s and so wise <laughs> and so it's him more talking to me and counseling me through this war and and that's okay because you know just because we're their parents and this is why mm -hmm. I was so excited to talk about this we don't always have to have the answers um and I think that's a huge part of parenting is recognizing that you're human too and finite and letting your children see you struggle with the things that you can't quite comprehend mm -hmm. like how do we attain peace in the midst of bombings and how do we do more um for our fellow humans and be a voice that's still standing behind peace and not choosing the same methods as everyone else and so another topic around this that's just hard 
to talk about is loss. Um, when we lose loved ones or we lose out on opportunities. And I think COVID-19 has brought that to the forefront for everyone. Loss and missed opportunities. Like, how do you talk through that with your children? You know, and memes for us, like losing Abuela was, um, you know, a big loss for me, for sure. And I won't say the first major loss for our family, but it was one that I found harder to talk about Um, because every time I would start talking about it or start trying to understand where they were at with the loss, I would just end up in a puddle of tears and torn tribe. I don't know if you know me well enough yet, but I don't like to cry (laughs) and I don't like emotion and I tend to shut them down. But losing my abuela, there was no shutting it down. Um, no matter how prepared I thought I was for it and how I was just ready for it because she was just, you know, she was at the end. It was ready for her to transition. Um, it didn't make it easier to talk about or to be vulnerable with my kids in that aspect of my life. Agreed. Um Loss, I think, for me, I've come to terms with loss in in the acceptance that it happens. And so sometimes no one is prepared for sudden, accidental, tragic losses. But really valuing that people live, if you're lucky, long lives and getting to that point where someone is maybe not having the same quality of life, not able to be the person they felt at their whole, for me, kind of um, consoles my heart, but it is definitely a shared experience. And so for O and I, it was almost like for him reliving when he lost his grandmother, it was his own loss of Abuela because of their relationship, my loss, explaining it to the kids. Um, and then everyone around you's feelings, right? There's Tia, Tete, Lela, our dad, like everyone in their own branch. And so it's, for me, it's this communal thing that everybody has a different take on, relationship to, distance from. Um, but doing that together and be, even if the words aren't said sometimes, but in the taking responsibility and the making things happen, um, I don't know if I've ever said to Athena how much I appreciate and valued who she was in that stage and her proximity to all of it because Abuela was down south and they had to come north and the calls to doctors and insurance and all the things that have been happening over the years in different phases um, we've all had our turns but at the very end when it's these very difficult decisions it's a lot um, but I would just wish for people when that happens that they have each other for the different roles and the different support that they can offer each other because that makes a difference. And like witnessing it recently with our aunt passing, our great aunt, 
family and the way they came together and the way memories are put together. Like it's the hardest time and the educator event planner part of me always is like, how is it that these things happen? Like, I'm always like, how do the people at the funeral home deal with the people who just had the loss, who probably are not in the best frame of mind to like gather things and make things beautiful. And then when you are at those memorials and at wakes and services, that's kind of where you see that magic that that person kind of left behind or the thing that's honoring their life because it does like you dig through memories and you find the pictures and you tell stories and you spend the time and you break bread and it kind of solidifies those little pieces of what that person left with us um and so that that's what I would hope for anyone and that's what I think I try to spend most of my energy on discussing is acceptance of what actually happened what it means to whatever degree that has to be explained based on the age of your children but also like letting them have those memories keep those mementos say what say what they feel share what they feel and have that time because they're actually what could sometimes feel like morbid traditions I think are actually apt to help us grieve and process and honor. And I'm, you know, I'm only highlighting the way we do in our faith and our traditions here, but I think anything that gives you that space to allow for processing of that loss um, is helpful. Yeah. I would say with loss, my method or what we've practiced with the loss of Abuela, the loss of Thea, Lisa, um, even Grandma Alice and Uncle Randy mm-hmm. is one flipping through the pictures yes. and remembering who they were before you were in their life, while you were in their <laughs> life, you know, because um, I'm young, folks. Uh, and so my grandmother had lots of life before I came around. Um, but just remembering who they were. And then the other thing and joking around. You know, there's a section of my living room where we call it the place of the dead because we have pictures or items that they had in their house at one point um, up on a section. of I don't meme. I don't even know if you realize that, but I know Abola's over by my television, like her picture. But I actually have stuff on my shelves in my living room over the couch, right? Yeah, over the couch. Uncle Mm -hmm. Randy and his ashes are up there. They're hidden behind the picture to not keep anybody out. But they're (laughs) up there. Grandma Alice's birdhouse. I even have Grandma's fish up there. Her wooden fish that she used to have on her dresser. Mm -hmm. And it's just things so that they're in our everyday life for an opportunity of remembering them and not forgetting them. And then the other thing I often do with my boys, if I am ever struggling with an emotion, like for instance, my grandmother, my abuela, what I miss the most is the her touch, her hugs. And so there will be times where I hug my boys and I'm like, can you just hug me back? So it feels like abuela's <laughs> hugging me back. <laughs> and just those vulnerable moments to show them that when you lose someone you are gonna hurt two years later a year later you know it doesn't ever 100% ease and how do you continue living life and enjoying life in their absence 
Yeah, I have to say that I think people who probably are like newest to my life and I'll share, um, you know, Soph's birthday weekend last year. My mom was in town. We went to go see my grandmother's grave. Here's a picture of Soph at the grave and Soph like lays her head on the tombstone. And we usually have like a little family photo shoot there. I think people kind of give me the side eye like. You yeah that's where we are why, why is this your <laughs> highlight of like like how is this a moment you're highlighting in either a weekend time off a family visit and it's just because it is normalized that way right it's pick the flowers that you're moved to give her and so we'll pick some flowers and oh digs a hole or my mom digs a hole and or we go when mom's not here and we send pictures and it's just it is that remembering it's in the things it's in the stories it's in the pictures but it's in an acceptance that just like we would go visit you and spend time and have a moment this is kind of our way of honoring those times and and continuing to have them but um i agree it can just smack you on your commute to work one morning where something happens or you know what feels like shortly after her death you get this beautiful movie which is Disney's Encanto with a grandmother and this family and these songs and you're just like my grandmother would have loved this movie Abuela runs the show I think that would have been her favorite (laughs) that's it that's it she's like oh this is award-winning movie (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and so they're they're with you you know, you know, when you're remembering them with the laughter and the happiness or in those teary eyed moments when you just need, you know, them or what they would say or their comfort. Um, but showing them, showing your kids and showing your partner and that you're doing that together and that you understand when they have those moments and when you have those moments and you're there for each other with it. Yeah. And for us, the other thing that I I weave in because it's just a central part of our lives is our faith what does our faith say about loss Mm -hmm. and you know what does our faith say about war the way I was saying earlier it's like well our faith for loss talks about we are to hope we are to have hope and grieve like no like not like other people because we have the hope that we can see them again Mm -hmm. and so bringing that those verses to life for my kids and having them understand that the word of God is living and it's active and it's alive and it applies to every aspect of their life and just giving them because some of us are processors through writing and reading right and so that's what I love that our faith has that aspect of it that we can flip to certain areas and even hearing the apostle paul talk about hey i i to to die is gain to live as christ and so meaning that he was as he lives here on this earth it's for everybody else to see jesus christ through him but to die he would see a savior so that would be gain um and just understanding that our abuela and our my aunt were at that point where they had transitioned into dying and now they're before their savior who my grandmother had this great faith in um, kind of lightens the heaviness of our loss. Um, and so just activating that and talking through that with my boys and how, you know, we weep in the night, but there's joy in the morning and understanding that our faith does not ignore the hard 
and it talks about all these hard topics. Um, Definitely. And then another area of hard talks is this injustice and how life is just not fair. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Seriously is not. And, you know, I have this quote, Torn Tribe, that I've been saying probably before I even became a mom because I just saw other moms going through it. I'm like, let mom live, you know, <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of crazy to me um, how moms just, I'm sorry, dads, like, maybe you go through this too, but I just don't see it that much around me. But moms, like, can't get, you know a warm meal (laughs) until (laughs) kids are in college and maybe not even them because they call with some ridiculous thing that makes you leave the table and your hot plate, (laughs) you know? So just the, the injustice of life and even the more serious ones, you know, the, the, the Asian hate and the, you know, black crimes and the police officers and, you know, black lives matters movement and all that. But even, the word of God, you know, reading through my boys and showing them that there was slavery, you know, and how the slavery was supposed to work. And all the time, the human race has been corrupt with injustice, you know, well, and, and, just, and that's really a man. That's really my take on it is that the human experience. Right. And it links with our faith and understanding that the reason it's not Eden and it's not perfect was because of this desire for a human experience Mm -hmm. and it comes with this cruelty happens sadness happens um but when it's injustices that are historical for me the hardest part of the conversations is like i was saying earlier is that we try to teach it's like this is how this is done this is good this is bad this is right this is wrong and there's so many things that exist and we have to explain to our children that without it being good kind just it existed and how to be better how to rectify how to and for me a lot of it is literature it is exposure it is those tough conversations about finding a way to try to dismantle the things that society will kind of teach us, put on us the restraint and, and tearing those down. And and I try to be vigilant of when things are just this passed down idea of putting things in a box of categorizing, of comparing, of dividing. So each person has their own chance to kind of like introduce themselves, be who they are, build a relationship and be taken for their actions and, and, their their acts and their actions and their words because so much is programmed in us before we can start to recognize it you know and I, I was sharing with Athena how much I think about the power our schools have and if we're not careful where we're allowing our children to be educated or we're not informed of what is being because again it's the challenging it's like I'm trusting this place with you but they're not perfect, right? They might focus on something or not focus on something. And then I have to do the additional educating and I have to have the conversations and be the mom who sends the email and ask the questions and challenges (laughs) the policy. That mom. That mom, because we know there's still so much work to be done for us 
to be acknowledging what history was and was not, who should be celebrated and who is being put in the shadows and and correcting all of those. And we're still working on all of that. And so I I think it's curious when Omar will look at the homework or the folder and he's like, oh, you might not be happy about it. <laughs> email time yeah he's like I know they're gonna get an email about this but I do encourage it being a dialogue Uh, the questions our children bring to us the way my partner feels and conversations we have about the workplace and what uh, trainings we have to take and and all of that is a good direction to move in but it also has to be our diligence in critically thinking about what we sit in front of, what we promote, what language we use, how we make assumptions, uh, because it, we can very easily just think something is a certain way because of our own lived experience. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. That is, yeah. So we empower you, Torn Tribe, send the emails, start the dialogue, raise awareness, because, you know, it has to start somewhere. And one of the things, like, with these topics of war, loss, and injustice, I will say, Torn Tribe, like, what I am trying to instill in my four sons is that they're people, they're human beings with heart. And that they know where they come from, they know where they stand, and they know where they're going. And that, you know that they can enlighten others. And so I was sharing with memes, you know, my fourth grader my son sam in this book called the boy who harnessed the wind and it's about it's a it's a nonfiction book and the boy came from africa he's from africa and he learned how to actually um, bring electricity to his house and africa this part of africa was actually going through a famine at the time and so there's a lot of poverty And there's a section in the book where we're reading about him taking an exam and that exam determines what school he goes to. So being judged based on a score of a test. And we all know what that feels like. My son, Sam, is yet to know what that feels like because the school does not do those types of exams. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They do. They do a lot of project stuff. So he didn't understand the stress that this child was under and let alone the stress of the exam the child also was experiencing hunger mm-hmm. and how in his home, his belly grumbles more than if he's distracted at school. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking to myself, I remember being that irresponsible college student where I skipped breakfast, but I was studying for an exam and then I went to go take a test and then ate after my test. The excruciating headache and pain that I had and how that impacts your ability to perform on an exam. Because we all know parents, what do they tell you the day before state exams? Have breakfast. Yes. Give your child a healthy breakfast and send them with a snack. You know, that's the only day of the year that they care whether or not you feed your (laughs) child. But you, all jokes aside, I was able to sympathize with this child and read through it. And I start crying because I just know where the story's headed, that he's not going to get into the school that he was actually able to go to 
um, like meant like aptitude wise should have been going to. Instead, he was getting plays in a school that he could economically maybe go to. And because of his economic situation impacted his score on the test. And my son, Sam, looks at me and he's like, Mom, why yet again, another book from school, we're reading together and you're crying. (laughs) And I'm like, when are you going to get my heart? (laughs) When are you going to start understanding the struggle? Um, And Sam's my first son where I'm having this disconnect with. You're not an insensitive person. And you're not a prideful person. So why can't you understand like being hungry and that impacting your tasks and that leading you to get into this school where literally it talks about the, and this is the part where I started crying. It talks about that he went to the school and the classroom had a huge hole in the middle of the classroom and no mm-hmm. desk. And so you you just visualize all these kids, bare bones, you know, dirty in these uniforms, these white collared shirts and navy shorts sitting around this hole. And this teacher is trying to teach them this hole in the floor. And I just start crying because I'm like that poverty, like how is anyone ever going to amount to anything? So by the time you get to the end of the book and you see that this person becomes this miraculous, but you're just like, what? <laughs> you know, like talk about the craziest times, like rags to riches, lemons to lemonade, like just, a, it sounds like a miracle, like a one in a million chance. But my goal is to get my son Sam's heart to empathize like I find that to be the hardest thing to teach as a parent and I guess my main takeaway for you all torn is it has to be taught through living it the more empathetic of an individual I am and the more I sit there and I actually cry through the pages it opened the door for me to explain to my son why this was so upsetting And the long-term impact, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing our children also perspective is difficult when what you're whining about at the moment can probably be resolved quickly. This is your hunger, inability to take a test, placing you in a specific school, which will then most probably, except for some, you know, except for when, if circumstances align, hold you back from other opportunities it's opportunity 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 until something happens and and that is difficult for our children to foresee but it's also hard to imagine when when you have the stability if if you're not wondering where food is coming from to be on your table when you're not um feeling like there's something missing at school or, or that it's not set up the way it's supposed to be all of that, but getting them, I think the difficulty with the empathy versus sympathy and, and somewhere along my teacher education, there were these lots of conversations about that, like not to encourage the literature so that someone feels bad for X who's going through a situation, but that they are in their shoes Correct. And so the more we can like pause and highlight and say, what do we have? What do we sometimes take for granted? And look, there's a situation where someone did not have that for sure. 
what could that mean or and thinking through that because like you said until you actually live it really hard for our you know our kids whine about all sorts of things our kids complain about oh yeah boredom when (laughs) some have to like work (laughs) it's like there is no boredom um and so I think it's also those conversations where we're showing the gratitude and we're acknowledging what we have because that isn't guaranteed or that was someone else's labor and foresight and, you know, impact, but that at some point it's going to be on them to create what they have and what they do with opportunity or how many opportunities are open to them. So I think like naming it is that starting point um, because we only know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. Yes. Amen. Amen to that. And the other enlightening thing that I had happened to be in the past two weeks that I am beginning to become more and more conscious of as a parent, Torn Tribe, is I recognize when I shy away from So as I was sharing with memes, like there was one night we were walking in the city of Charlotte and there was a man laying out his sleeping bag because he was homeless and he was getting ready for the windy night and getting the best real estate in order to avoid the wind. And to be honest, I had a knot in my stomach and I was like, Oh my gosh, I hope none of my kids actually asked me a question about this right as we're passing the man, you know, cause one of my kids tends to have like the, the awesome timing of making other people feel uncomfortable. So <laughs> I was like, but, but hopefully they don't miss it completely. And we get to talk about it later. Well, after that moment and none of them bring bothered me too. So there was no satisfying me in this situation, but noticing that they didn't even blink an eye or ask anything about it. What I told myself after that evening is like, no more shying away from the hard conversations. I am going to actually make sure that they notice these things and talk about it. Not so that they feel bad about the person in that situation, but understand like the myriads of ways how society can sometimes lead you there. Because I remember with my older son, it took having that conversation about homeless people took us all the way to um, the time that we actually spoke about it was touring Elon University. We're here on this campus. We're touring it. There's a newspaper that the college had written and it was about homelessness and they interviewed all these homeless people. Not a single one was a drug addict or an alcoholic. Not a single one. They were all college graduates. They all had white collar jobs that they had lost. And so they couldn't find their next job. And so they lost everything. And that just opened my eyes. It opened my son's eyes. And I'm like, why is it that I'm in my like 30s on my 100th college tour because I love touring colleges guys I'll tell you that because <laughs> so, I just college is amazing and it w- was this article that opened my eyes to realize man I am a judgmental fool because my stereotype which I didn't even know I had until I read this article I was like you're so right I did I was judging you you know 
And so now that like completely radically changed, but I don't want to wait until my co- my son, my sons are touring a college again to have those hard conversations and to have those enlightening moments. So I guess my takeaway tour tribe is one, don't shy away from it yourself, read up on it, get exposed yourself, demonstrate empathy and sympathy for other people, attach it to your faith. If you know, however you practice your faith, it's in the scriptures. If you're a Christian, all these topics are in there and be, be empowered to start the conversation, start to email with the teacher, sit with your kids at dinner or breakfast or lunch or on the way to soccer practice and bring up the questions because they're thinking about them even from really young. So you'll be surprised. And we would love to hear from you guys as well. Um, what are your methods of talking about hard topics with your children and how you embrace those opportunities. Definitely. So how does your family discuss hard topics? We're already assuming that you do. We're encouraging that you do um, and challenging ourselves to have it. So Torn Tribe, please reach out. Let us know some additional topics that you might have been enlightened about when you discussed it with your families. And now for our men's segment, where we share a highlight from the week. So memes for our men's portion of the show and Torn Tribe mend portion of the show is all about what is helping us keep it together as mamas, parents in this crazy 2022. (laughs) So what are you doing, Meme? I have to say that um, our little two-night getaway um, for me and Omar was my men's. We had great conversations about family, each other, um, and I think just uninterrupted adult conversation with my partner, with my love, um, was just grounding and restorative. That is awesome. So yes, I, I love getaways. And so torn dry, I would say like, find you a sitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And don't feel bitter. (laughs) Like just go. Yeah, because I had a friend that just recently, you know, someone has uh, how many kids? Five kids. <laughs> and she recently, for the first time in, I think, two years or some crazy number like that, went away with her husband. And I was like, just feeling so bad. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're free. Go run. <laughs> Don't look back. <laughs> but yes, that is exciting and fun. How about you? Uh, what's mending me? Uh, I'm going to take it back to the physical for me, uh, sweating, trying to do uh, my workouts on a more regular basis. Um, I did this hit workout the other day that she had you like hit your arm, like upper body, core and legs. Oh, it's painful, but reviving all at the same time. So I have started running again because we've had this fluctuation of like weather between 60 and 70. Mm. Yes, people, I do like to run in 70 degree weather. I'm always freezing. So 70 feels like probably 40, 50 to everybody else. (laughs) Um, 
but yeah, so the running again and the working out more consistently, because and then I can have clarity of mind. Um, and we all know my disorder of um, thinking um, huge. It, it's a disorder. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. But it's just my makeup. If I don't run and I don't do something physical, I also cannot sit still. So it's helped that as well. I've been able to focus more clarity of thought and working out. So um, enjoying it. And I will say this. I learned one thing about me. Um, I I really can't do anything anymore with the left side of my body. I... <laughs> Like, they had us doing these side push-ups. I'm like, yeah, I could get off the ground with my right arm. Uh, I kept hitting my head with my left arm because I just couldn't lift myself. I'm like, man, basketball used to keep everything, like, balanced. And, yeah, I haven't played ball in a long time. So I'm not balanced anymore, Torn Tribe. But in a way, that mended me because now I have a challenge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm getting balanced. Join me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Torn Sharp, we are really excited to announce that our next episode will be right around our three-year anniversary date. And so on March 16th, we will be releasing not only a whole new series, uh, Torn, Finding a Mom Life Balance Beyond the Guilt, but Athena, let them know how we're stepping it up and leveling up in year three. Oh, man. Torn drive. Hold on. Hold on to your seats. Watch out for the cars around you if you're driving. You will see us <laughs> live on YouTube. We're going to start up a YouTube channel, folks. So you will actually be able to physically see what we look like when we're talking about and lucky shows. you you get to see all the expressions i make during these recordings and you get to tour my house <laughs> because <laughs> it's hard to find a place to talk in quiet but we're really excited um, to be able to share torn finding a mom life balance beyond the guilt so look forward to that on our march 16th episode meantime memes tell our folks how to stay connected we are on facebook instagram and twitter at torn mlb and we'd love to get an email from you please drop us a note torn mlb at gmail.com thanks for joining choose grace when you feel torn choose, choose grace, grace.